welcome to We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard and thank you for joining us this evening. Tonight is a work in progress show and it's going to be called I Am The Ed Man, I Am The Walrus, <laughs> Playing In The Everdark. <laughs> and I know why it's called that and you will know why it's called that because joining me tonight is a gentleman by the name of Edward Harrison. So, hello, Edward. Hello. How's it going? Oh, very, very well. Because I've mentioned that title because you are from the company called Walrus Games. I am indeed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> okay. idea how that happened. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Do you have a moustache? Uh, I do, and a beard. <laughs> do you have big, huge teeth? Uh, I think they're pretty average. I don't know. I try not to judge myself. Do you hang around on beaches? I'm guilty. Guilty. You've caught me now. (laughs) Um, The reason that we've got Ed on tonight, or Edward... What do you want, Ed or Edward? Go with Ed. Just to confuse me. Ed's fine. Just to confuse me. (laughs) (laughs) I might as well say the reason why. The reason why that Ed is laughing at the fact that he now has to call me Ed, because I just spoke to Ed an episode which probably everybody has heard. So I've just done a back-to-back Ed, so it's two Eds are better than one kind of thing. So now, we're hopefully I'm not going to end up with Deja Vu Ed, because <laughs> otherwise, otherwise I'll end up asking the same questions or think I've asked the same questions or linking it into something else, and it's all just going to be very, very confusing. Um, thank you for coming on. Uh, absolute pleasure. We spoke, a, we spoke a little, yeah, we spoke a little while ago, and then we kind of have been getting this together and then trying to through shift patterns and people being on call and general nonsense we've decided tonight is the night that we have to get this this done the stars have aligned and we are ready to go they have indeed um so first of all for thank you for coming on thanks for having me it's uh yeah it's, it's it's good to be here good and the reason for anyone else out there that's listening for the first time, thank you very much for listening for the first time. Hopefully there'll be at least another seven times. They have <laughs> 70 episodes, so if you listen to 10% of them, we will be very happy. But the reason that we do this is because that there's quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board games and tabletop. Certainly not. I'm now getting a private investigator to investigate that fact and he is now moving on to all the obscure podcast things to find it um, like Podknife which apparently we appear on so thank you Podknife the second reason that we do this is because when somebody called Ed rocks up from Walrus Games you have to talk to him <laughs> it's like it's like the fourth rule of Fight Club you have to talk to Ed so tonight what we're going to do is we are going to do what we usually do with a work in progress. We are going to find out a little bit about his past. We're going to find out a little bit about the present. And then we're going to hop, skip and a jump into the future to learn. But first of all, Ed, do you want to furnish us with a little bit of your history of the hobby? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. History of the hobby. Um... I guess um, where everyone kind of starts is kind of where they're growing up. So uh, when I was a kid, I obviously played a lot of board games with my my dad. Uh, He got me into 
initially into games like Warhammer 40,000 and stuff. So uh, mm -hmm. that was my initial experience of board games. Maybe a few, obviously, the, the basic ones. Everyone plays Monopoly and everyone slowly hates Monopoly. Um, and I, I kind of fell off the radar of games for quite a, quite a few years until um, I was in York and a brand new board game shop opened up. So I, I, I then found myself kind of drifting in there because I'd always been a, you know, a, a big lover of them at heart. Uh, and I just kind of got got into it i started playing a lot of star wars x-wing uh i really found myself just completely missing this world that i'd been you know uh, missing you know not been involved in for so long uh and i found myself just thinking one day at work you know twiddling my thumbs a little bored and i thought you know i, I can make a game so I, I spoke to my colleague uh and he said yeah we should make a game so uh you know we, we were both huge <laughs> board game enthusiasts so i i think he was joking at the time when uh I, I said that to him because I went away. I started making a game. I came back. He seemed genuinely surprised I'd made a game. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so it's always been something I've just really uh, enjoyed doing. I, I, just, I just love the, the social interaction you get from seeing that with people and, uh, you know, starting off as friends and leaving as enemies because someone pulls off a, a horrible trick and maybe it's a Game of Thrones. I'm still yeah, bitter when... about that game. <laughs> mm, everybody's bitter about that game. I think I heard. Chris Clue talking about him playing Game of Thrones and everybody starting off liking each other and ending up hating each other at the end. X-Wing. Yes. Oh, man. Because you mentioned X-Wing. I'm interested in people that talk about X-Wing because X-Wing, to me, is a very expensive way to keep <laughs> is to collect nice models. Yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> a lot of money. Uh, I haven't played it much recently, but yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, it was uh, it was great, great good for me because my friend he was all about the cards. I was all about models. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I like visualizing. Well, yeah, seeing physically what's going on, on the board. I like, like games, like strategy games. You can see the models. And he loves cards. So it was a nice blend of the two. Uh, so yeah, I played a lot of Star Wars. Actually, I was uh, just been out there. I was Rebels because you know Rebels are superior. Um, and this Empire scum. Obviously. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, um, so yeah, I, mean, I, I would wager my my hawk build could take out anyone off the table. But uh, you know. Okay, what kind of? Okay, so what did you have? How many vehicles? I had three. What was your, uh, what was your setup? It was a hawk, three. B wing, and an X wing. That's it. Yeah, well, yep. Yeah, that, that, that was it. And it, uh, it even managed to take on the dreaded TLT builds. You know, I used to play a few. I played a few local tournaments, and uh, I was able to take on you know, even the most meta of builds with this one. That I never found a build like it anywhere on the internet, which was kind of refreshing because you know usually I'm pretty naff at coming up with my own little uh, builds and teams and stuff. I seem to have accidentally mm -hmm. found the one that uh, it, <laughs> I, I never lost it once because I didn't fly in formation. So uh, my, my yeah. You go, Got a fly information. It's a skill in itself. So. Did you ever? Um, did you ever trip over into Armada? Uh, no, I think Armada was on the way out when I started. I don't know. I'm not sure if it is on the way out. I haven't paid any attention to Armada. You haven't paid any attention. At all. I what, know. Call yourself a Star Wars fan. Well, exactly, exactly. End the podcast. <laughs> Go home, Ed. You're drunk. I have been shamed already. <laughs> I was quick. We're barely. I'm not gonna shame you already. I'm gonna go back and say, you know, the other Ed didn't shame Star Wars. I, I, um. I, I, it was a money thing. Okay, I can't afford them. <laughs> I could barely afford X-wing. Uh, oh, no, it also didn't so help that bad. the guy who owns the shop kind of knew that I was pretty weak, uh, and he would constantly go, "Hey, Ed, Ed." That game's got five pounds off, and I'm like, oh no, I've got money in my pocket. And I, usually, most nights, I'd leave a game in my hands, and uh, uh, the debt is still there. 
Was it a tab or was it like, you know, did you no, no, end up No, no, I paid in cash. Oh, if I had a tab. If I'd left, when I left York, if, uh, if I had to pay back that tab, I would have probably ended up on the streets. Oh my it was a, it was a good collection. Did you end up kind of going to shoplifting in order to fund your habit? Um, mm. uh, no comment. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to publicly admit that on a podcast now. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. Because it's, 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 I don't think it's admissible as evidence because people would go, he's not that serious. Was he joking about that? <laughs> All I can say is a strong canvas bag and an ability to wander in Superdrug very, very slowly can be quite a profitable pastime. Um, it's what I've not yet experienced. Not true. That's really not true. <laughs> exactly. No, I used to... What did I used to do? One of these things, I used to work in a, one of these shops that sold really expensive jumpers. So you always used to get the kind of the shoplifters coming in with... They'd, they'd bring in these canvas bags and they weigh down the bottom of them with a couple of magazines to make them look like they were full. Mm. And then kind of put plastic bags on the top. And then all they would do is they would just try and drop a jumper down the side of the plastic bag and then walk out looking like they were carrying some kind of heavy shopping. Just strange times. But it's good to know that, you know, if you... No, it's good to know you kind of kept your, kept your habit up. So is your X-Wing to the side now? Uh, Have you moved on to other things? Everything is in the side now. <laughs> it's, that's, that's the honest truth. Um, because Everdark became a very much a full-on experience for me. Um, and in, in moving to in moving to York, uh, from, to London, from York to London, uh, mm. the day job then took a huge toll on me as well. Um, yeah. So I, I don't play that much. Uh, there is a, a board game cafe I I, uh, I go to quite regularly. I've only recently found a few friends who uh, do play board games. So uh, mm-hmm. I could have joined a group. I, I admit that was probably my fault. But when all your money gets spent on prototyping for a, a board game, which is slowly strangling you, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was joking. <laughs> uh, you, you, you can't really it's, get well, into it. Well, as I say, this is my couch. Make yourself comfy and just tell me about your cardboard. If it makes you feel better, my chair is pretty much horizontal right now. I am properly leaned back. <laughs> so, uh, you better not fall asleep. That would be awful. If you hear a massive crash, oh, I fell off. <laughs> Your bash of crash, you better could like call an ambulance. So you better put, put your, you know, exactly. Just, just leave me. Head. Just leave me. I'm happy down there. <laughs> it gives me a week <laughs> off. No, I can't have a week off. I've got a Kickstarter to launch in two weeks. You kind of fall, yeah, fell asleep, and that was it. It's like Ed, Ed, Ed. What's going on, Ed? Never done. Can shoot me? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> So no, I mean so before before the the kind of the you're not allowed to use the word madness, are you? It's not politically correct at all. But before you decided and you got the cardboard fever and says like I can make one of these. <laughs> uh, Why? I mean, well, how do you go? Do you have a do you have an ability to to talk unlike I do? Um, <laughs> did you? Did no? Did you? Um, did you always have an idea to make a game or was it something you just kind of came up with kind of thing? I honestly don't remember anymore. Because um, people were saying, you know, where did Everdark come from? And I was like, I, I, hmm. I, there must have been something in my head. Um, no, um, I never, I guess, I'd, you know, I'd always thought about it and I've always wanted to, uh, I've always been a very creative person. I mean, my background is design technology. Uh, I've always done oh. arts and stuff. So I've always been making things. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've always wanted to write a book. I always wanted to write a novel. I've got loads of ideas in my head. I've got like a huge universe of ideas in my head, genuinely. Um, but I'm, I've got no writing okay. stamina. So 
Um, and I, as I say, I got into games a little bit, and I kind of missed uh, playing board games with my family. I mean, uh, we used to play. What's your book about? No, stop. Let's hear your book about because I'm <laughs> fascinated. The whole creative, see, the whole creative process for me about board games is you get people that concentrate on the mechanics, and then you get people that concentrate on the theme, mm. and you get people that are kind of in the mixture, and they manage to pull it off, and really, really well mix the mechanics and the theme at the same time. So I'm interested to hear what your book is about. Um, well, it, my book, oh, cracky. Um, I, I never, I say, I never, I don't have stamina, so I didn't get very far in it. But I know exactly how it goes. Um, it's, um, it's kind of heavily linked to Everduck, um, and uh, as I said, this very, very fleshed out universe is is that is the story behind that, uh, and it's linked to that. It was, I guess, it was based in York. Um, yeah. You know, go figure. You, you, people always say, write what you know, uh, and I know York very well. So okay. it was based in York, and it's kind of uh, around this, um, I want to say secret society, it's more like an agency, like a, almost like a, not an Illuminati kind of thing, but this it's basically about these, uh, this group which um, know about these, uh, these creatures that basically come into our, our plane of existence, into our reality. It's all about uh, them investigating what these are, what's going on, uh, why they're here, why they seem to cause so much havoc, and then where they go. Uh, it's kind of following on a kind of almost like a supernatural kind of, um, you know, almost ghostly kind of story, mixing in with a bit of science fiction as well. I was trying to blend loads of different uh, kind of genres together into this kind of weird mix. Um, yeah. I don't want to say, I don't say, I don't want to say too much because, um, it, then it started evolving into what became Everdark, and I do have plans to f- continue that universe in board games because um, I'm not going to answer what the Everdark is um, or where it is, or uh, I want it to be a bit of a mystery. And I wouldn't mind coming back to it in a later game and adding some more, um, uh, adding, you know, shining some more light. No, no pun intended. So I'm shining more some light onto the Everdark and as to yeah. what it is, why it's there, what's actually going on, uh, how to escape it. Uh, is, say, there's a, 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 a huge universe in my head, and the second ever Dark game, well, <laughs> putting that out there, because you know, the first one will definitely be successful, I hope. Um, <laughs> the second <laughs> one uh, will take on uh, a bit more of a... Cause in Everdark, the, you know, the first game is a city-wide game. Um, yeah. The second one starts focusing on on the people, uh, and it'll be based around a lot around about around sacrificing uh, your, uh, pieces uh, of yourself, and it's going to be more like a horror game, I guess. You know, a bit more panicked. You know, I, I like panic games. Um, <laughs> but it's the universe I want to continue. So uh, yeah, so I, I guess I guess that's the story about. I can't really say much about it because. If I go into too much depth, all my all my aces up my sleeve are just given away, and you know people are going to come running to your podcast and be like, "Oh, the answers are all in here. The answers are all in here." Uh, well, you know, if it gets us more listeners, that's the sacrifice I'm willing to make. Oh, Ed. that's fine. You, you take. I'll, <laughs> I'll take one for the team. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just feel like you know, I, I focus on the on the theme. Uh, I'm more about the theme of the game, uh, and, I, yeah. and you know, I think. I don't know. There's just such a huge, you know, uh, variety of games out there, but the ones that have all these in-depth stories you can have, those are the ones that interest me the most. The ones that have these huge, you know, um, intriguing universes that are being created for the imaginations mm-hmm. of people. Uh, and anyone can get a, you know, it's basically a game in the real world, you know, and you get some amazing games from that. But amazing games have amazing storylines. That's that's where I'm most interested. 
Uh, and so for me, I guess it all built around the theme. The theme changed a lot, I might add. It was supposed to be a, a futuristic uh, game. Uh, and I said to my illustrator, hey, I want Greeks in space. Uh, <laughs> so he gave me Greeks. <laughs> and they weren't in space. <laughs> but There's a whole kind of people just like astronaut floating about going, my country's bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, oh. Right. Oh, you meant ancient Greeks. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, well, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> so, well, okay, it's, it's all about um, an astronaut um, getting in contact with the International Monetary Fund, asking them to extend their overdraft so they can actually land the rocket back down on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's going to be my fifth game. <laughs> <laughs> You're nicking stuff already, I can't believe it. You've been, like, speaking for... T- 20 minutes and you're already stealing stuff it's just uh, absolutely ridiculous I, I, I steal all everyone's ideas but the problem is I never get around to using them so it's fine you know I've got well that's what Philip Pullman said something he says like sting like he says steal like a steal like a bee steal like a hummingbird right like a bee or something like that <laughs> that just yeah that would just you know that infamous that very famous saying uh now I, I know I I like, lecture, what do you mean Philip <laughs> I had a lecturer at university and he said to me and this is the, I think of all the lessons I learned at university this is the only one I remember and he said to me it's not what you steal it's how you steal it I, I'm just going to put this out there. I did, I've not stolen anything ever. Dark is a completely unique and original idea created by myself. Um, nothing has been stolen yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh but God, you know, yes. people people keep you know, they come up with ideas. They, they start talking to them, and uh, you know, you go, oh, "That's a great idea for a game." Now, I did that on Twitter. I got a, a friend I've made I made on Twitter. He's in America, uh, called Jason, and uh, mm. we were talking, and we so somehow I just said, "Hey." We should collaborate on this. Uh, you know, I could have quite easily run off with this game, this game idea, uh, and taken it for myself. But uh, yeah, I said let's collaborate, and this was about two, three months ago. So we've been working pretty hard on our second game. You know, the first one's not even out yet, and we've got a second game on the on the, on the go. But uh, yeah. I, I don't like stealing stuff. I, I like to give people fair credit where credit's due, uh, or even work with them on it. So uh, yeah, <laughs> don't worry. If I if I still land here, I will come back to you and say, hey. I've got no, a game. Fine. Do you wanna do you wanna make no, some Greek space not. Greeks? It's, uh, it's fine. I just present like, space. That'd be so cool. Yeah, Greeks in space. Oh, it, it, it sounds almost like a, a tongue-in-cheek game. I came. There was a UK games expo. Uh, the guy came up to me and he said, "Let's talk about his game idea." And he said it was it was called Zombie Princess. And I, just, I automatically loved it because it's uh, based in a maze. And it was just a. Uh, I find the, the title very amusing. The kind of whole premise about the whole game very amusing. So, uh, yeah. Do you get that at the expo? I mean, are you tired? Am I talking to a tired Ed tonight? I accidentally, I forgot. I booked the day off work. Um, I had completely forgot. I was I was about to go into bed last night, and I was looking at my phone. I said it said seven a.m. start. I was like, oh no, no, no. And then I then I looked at an email and uh, about who you know because obviously been out for a week and I had an email uh, and I was looking at yeah. it saying who's out this week and it says Ed's not in on Monday. And I was like, oh, thank the Lord. Oh, did you actually run about the bedroom and go yes? I, that's what I'm talking about. If you can see the size of my bedroom. There'll be no running. <laughs> More like bounce up and down. <laughs> Yeah, and then you stayed proceeded to stay up for a further four hours, which is why you're tired. <laughs> yes, actually, actually. Up and like went back to the telly. Went right, what, what, what can I binge watch? Oh, exactly. 
I've not watched Luke Cage. Should I watch Luke Cage or should I continue with Iron Fist or um, should I go back to something else? I actually got. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of of Luke Cage or Iron Fist, but I actually got through Luke Cage more than I got through Iron Fist. Um, Did you? I, yeah, I, I was disappointed by the end of uh, Luke Cage, but overall, you know, I'm glad I watched it because obviously it's all part of the same universe of the Defenders. Yeah, so, and uh, you kind of feel you're going to understand it at the end of the day when they bring out the Defenders mm. kind of scenario, which will be an interesting thing to hold together. I have started watching Luke Cage, and then I also started watching, um, started watching the Iron Fist as well. The problem was, right? We watched Jessica Jones, me and um, Mrs. Not Wizard, <laughs> and she—that's that's her, that's actually her second name. Oh, yeah. And um, it is Not Wizard. It's um, <laughs> Polish. Um, and. We she we watched Jessica Jones and she was utterly enthralled in Jessica Jones because that kind of thing she's like superheroes that's rubbish. Mm. So we started watching Jessica Jones and then by the f- end of the second one she's like, "Have we got time for another one? Maybe." I says, "Yeah, yeah, sure." So we watched the entire series and like really got into it. And then we put on Luke Cage because she was like, "Well, Luke Cage is is it like Jessica Jones? Well, it's you know the same thing." And we put it on and within like. I think the first 45 minutes there was some really, really extreme type violence and that kind of put her off. <laughs> and it's the same with Iron Fist. As soon as she like, watched the first 10 minutes of Iron Fist, she goes, oh, they're fighting. Oh. So so Jessica Jones, if everything's like Jessica Jones, then she's fine. But apart from that, you know. So that was a quick aside into TV habits, which is all good. Um, are you, when you, I mean, do you have a favourite style of genre game then? In terms of, in general, are you a kind of a, are you a hidden movement type guy? Are you a strategy guy? Are you like a minis type person? Um, yeah, good question. Um, I, I like being able to look at a board and see, you know, I like watching things move around, you know, you, you, you positioning pieces, you're, uh, hmm. and it's very, yeah, I like very visual games, you know, um, I mean, card games are fun, but, you know, you're just putting down cards on a table, and I'm not really seeing them move around and how, how they interact with each other, it's just values, and while I do enjoy them, I, I prefer to see my armies roll across the land, steam rolling through someone's defences, and uh, as I laugh manically in their face as I crush them, I'm, <laughs> I am a, I'm a graceful winner, don't worry, um, but I am a big fan of those kind of games, I mean, I, to kind of get the idea of, of, of how into strategy games I am, uh, my brother and I, we were playing Axis and Allies uh, 19, 1917, is it 1918? Um, you don't sound that old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we're back in my day. Don't do that. No, that says something else. That sounds like a different type of podcast. Um, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, we played that for seven days straight. And I, when I say seven days straight, not like, you know, we finished a game, start a new one. The yeah. game lasted seven days. It was that it got pretty intense. We, no. we, we genuinely reenacted probably some sort of you know, tabletop version of trench warfare because we made no grounds and just for seven days we were at it. Uh, we we didn't we didn't get you know we didn't hate it we we loved every second of it. Uh, he's still convinced yeah. to this day he was about to win. Um, so we we don't ever mention the access and allies week. You know, that's kind of a bit of our history which we just you know uh, <laughs> never. Does happened. it is it kind of an uncomfortable thing if you do mention it? Uh, <laughs> no, we just start arguing about who was going to win uh, because eventually we we put it away. We we couldn't continue you know it got a bit ridiculous uh it was probably because he was probably out to win um i made a couple of blunders with the navy um so i say i love strategy um i do like miniatures but they're very expensive now star wars x-wing uh i got into uh because 
yeah, I, I enjoyed playing it, but also it was one my friend mm. wanted to get into, and uh, you know, so it was nice to actually have someone you know I saw every day at work, and then in the evenings we could go home, go back to a you know back to his place, we could uh, play games and stuff, and we just both were into it, so that was really nice. Um, but I don't advise do miniatures, you know, there's a lot of money, um, so I just I just prefer board games, you know, some great games out there. Uh, I just love watching, you know. The pieces moving around the board and you know, the tears pouring down your opponent's face, or usually my face, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, would you be a pers- person that would be into like Eclipse or Rebellion and stuff like that, where there's a little bit of strategy involved? Uh, I'm still, you know, I'm obviously trying to push you into another kind of ha- horrific kind of habity type thing because <laughs> obviously Rebellion is all your Star Warsy kind of thing. Have you did? Oh, yeah. This is where I'm going to be honest and say. Uh, Eclipse? I don't. I don't actually know that. See now, I'm, I, I'm guilty. I don't know a huge amount of games. I mean, mainly because I never have anyone to play with, which sucks. So uh, I don't get a huge amount of exposure. Uh, and also, I haven't. Do you know what? Do you know what? See to that thing. But, it's like so what? I do know what. I mean, one of the things we say on We're Not Wizards is we like it to be as accessible as possible, mm. and we don't like to assume that anybody has played any type of games. Eclipse is basically like moving spaceships around the board. That's what it is. And there's a little bit of tactics and there's a little bit of backstabbery and it's apparently good fun. It's kind of like if you took X-Wing and slowed it down by about 100 times kind of thing because it lasts about 11 hours. So it's very, very kind of slow. Yeah! Oh man, I, I, I can get into that. That sounds great. Uh, I, I, do like, I do like long games. You know, Even if you do lose... As long as you're having fun at the end of it, you know that's that's quite fun. Yeah. Star Wars Rebellion, like a kind of game you can come into and come back away away from, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can go away for lunch, or come back the next day and continue, <laughs> uh, or I come back on a, the next day and the next day and the next day and continue. The, 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 oh, that's a clear sign of a good game. And was it Star yeah. Wars Rebellion, wasn't it? That's the new one that came out about a year ago. Yeah, uh, was it Fancy Fly who released that one? It was like a hundred quid or something crazy. It looked amazing. Yeah, and it does look amazing. It looks an awful lot of fun. It's like a hidden. It is a hidden, but it's the hidden rebel base game. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. You got to find out where the rebel base is, and you've got to move the empire's got to track things down, and the rebels got to go in and snatch pieces off them, and and hit them down and stuff like that. And I always, I had this idea about, and I mentioned it on a couple of shows ago about playing starting off by playing Rebellion and then when you got involved in a space battle you moved to Armada and then when you moved and then when the big ships the capital ships were knocked down and you only had the stub fighters left you moved to play X-Wing either that or you went and then played Imperial Assault on the ground when you landed on the planet and then you played Star Wars Destiny so it's like a whole pile of Star Wars and it would have taken up about three or four rooms in a house. It sounded absolutely amazing. <laughs> Just that's the type of thing at the time. Why? Okay, Everdark. Yeah. It looks. I've not seen. I don't remember. There's a there's a game that it reminds me of when I look at it. Mm. First off the bat, and don't hate me Uh-oh. and don't hang Uh-oh. up. Don't say it. Don't say it. I, it's like one of those don't things. I don't it. mean to. Co- I don't mean to cause don't you offence. Don't say it. I know what you're gonna say. What? Please. Okay. What? Say it. Go on. Just say it. What? Uh, if you don't mention the game, I'll be happy. But uh, what are you gonna say? Go on. <laughs> Starts with a T. Oh, that's fine. Then it's a Z. Uh, okay. And then it's a Zolkin. 
I was going to say. Sulking? Yeah. It's not Just what cause it's... I was going to say. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say anything. I was not going to say the deadless sentence. What? Oh, I said it. Oh, no. What were you going to say? Deadless sentence. Oh, right. No, 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 no. Sulking. I wasn't saying that at all. That's yeah, the one. Kind of like, just because the cogs. It's the, it's the, Az- yes, it's the Aztec game. I tried game. to pick up a copy at the Games Expo the other day. Uh, well, yesterday. Uh, it was all sold out. I was, was going to give it as a gift. So I have no idea what it even looks like. I never even heard of it before yesterday. It's kind of like a big Aztec game. You've got like three wheels that interconnect each other through kind of like cogs. Mm. And you turn them around and then. Oh, I'm going to look at it now. Oh, that's actually. Oh, that's pretty. It is pretty, isn't oh, it? It's is a lovely love. looking game. Actually, there no, are some the... incredible looking games these days. Oh, it's just but then I looked at yours and I went, "This isn't. This is a really, really decent looking game." Well, Why don't you, you tell the good people? Because we have now, I think we're heading for what I call a Frank West episode, <laughs> and a Frank West episode is what happens when me and Frank West spoke for like an hour and ten minutes, and we were meant to be talking about City of Kings, mm. <laughs> and then we ended. <laughs> We ended up not really talking about City of Kings, <laughs> and then he had to come back on again, so we could talk about City of Kings. So um, I was hoping to avoid that kind of situation again. So um, Everdark, <laughs> it looks completely different. It looks really, really different from what I've seen before. It is basically it's three dimensional. Not that board games are two dimensional and exist in a two planar space, but you know what I mean. It's kind of proper sticking up out the ground buildings and figures and you know it looks very very kind of built up and stuff like that what's the basics behind the game tell us all about it please of course um so the basics behind the game um it's i guess what's i've I've found recently that people compared it a lot to is uh i'm hoping a lot of people have played the game or seen the game labyrinth um and it has been compared to that, which you know everyone seems to love Labyrinth, it's like an old classic. So I take uh, I take some pride in that. They say it's like Labyrinth grew up, went through a really emo, angsty teenager phase. It's kind of a very dark, twisted maze. No pun intended here, <laughs> because uh, the big feature about it is the rings do twist. Um, so people look at it and think, oh, you've got to get into the maze, you've got to get out the maze, mm. and it's it's neither mm. of that. It's about getting around the maze, which is um, which oh. is the, the, the big challenge because um, so you set inside this city called Foss and this Foss is a great city of light surrounded by the, the ever dark it's an endless sea of nothing basically out there is just this kind of swirling black misty cloudy weird denseness uh, and inside there is basically death you go in there you die you get drained of all your life your spirit your soul you're dead um and so you're inside the city and it's been this darkness is kept out by this great light uh, and then one day the light starts to dim for reasons unknown and all this darkness and bad stuff starts cr- crashing in and kind of starts consuming the city so you start off in your little temple in the corner of the board and you've got to get into the city and you've got to complete various events now the events start off very easy uh, things like just evacuating civilians from uh, from from districts and stuff, uh, to fighting some kind of basic low-level monsters. They're called skier. They're basically shadow creatures. You know, they're not really. All oh, right. Okay. They don't really have a form. They're kind of just like a swirling, gloopy, blobby smoke, uh, which kind of takes on uh, almost like a humanoid form when it's doing it kind of because it's absorbed kind of the spirit of a person, and as a result, All that right. spirit's kind of been trapped in there. And it's very very humanoid. So like the bad guys in Ico. 
Um, I guess you could compare it to that, but um, I guess the inspiration for them came from and there's, this, there's the photograph I keep seeing on the internet, which I absolutely love. It's a picture of a, of a volcano erupting. It was big, mm-hmm. really dark, and it's been surrounded by thunderstorms. So it's lightning coursing through this black plume, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and you got the fire of the, you know, the, the volcano kind of bursting through as well. And it just was this beautiful image of just this energy, and that's essentially what. Uh, yeah, these these are it's a condensed pulsating energy. So you've got this glowing core to it, where everything's so condensed, it's just given off this heat. Um, and yeah, so it's full. Of, yeah, and it's you know basically trying to consume people um, because this city isn't supposed to be there. It's kind of these these this energy is trying to this darkness is trying to just bring balance back to it by just removing all. Uh, all the the souls which kind of condense in the city, kind of just trying to disperse them again amongst the Everdark. So mm-hmm. yeah, you go into the city, you start with some low-level quests of events, uh, and then things start to get a little bit more dead <laughs> as the missions get harder. Um, there's like a system with uh, tiers to the deck, so there's five tiers. Uh, so tier okay. two, you get some slightly harder missions, and then by tier five, yeah. you've got these mental missions which are designed to really drain you of your 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 energy. Um, so you're navigating this maze, you're twisting these rings, you're creating new paths through the, uh, the city streets that link to different areas. Um, and so it's quite easy to get lost in there because you're trying to get to one location, you're twisting the board, you get to up to the next tier, you get to your mission, but it's taking you a couple of attempts. But the real uh, fun part of Everdark is the fact that because you're playing with other players, you're twisting the, the rings to get to a certain location and they're twisting the rings as well so you get this almost like a duel going on with creating these new routes because you're always interfering with each other you're always affecting each other's paths so it's really hard to um, navigate yourself uh, to where you want to go without someone just going ha 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 I see where you're going no you're not and you start twisting the board away from them uh, and it allows is it like Downfall do you remember Downfall uh, do you remember when you had I haven't played Downfall you've not played Downfall it was like a proper it's an old old game I thought you're talking 80s I mean you're not talking like last week mm. do a google check and basically it was like it was almost like the same setup as Connect Four, where you faced each other and the board was kind of like vertically in front of you, and you had dials. And what you did is you twist the dial, and you twisted the dial round in order to make the marble drop. But as you twisted your dial round, you were twisting the dial of the opposing player at the same time. So you had to try and guess which dials you should twist, and and then it sometimes affected the other player and had them. It made the moves easier for them to make. Yeah. No, I, I, like uh, yeah, because in some in some cases, if, if what you're doing does end up inadvertently helping your opponents, yeah. which is great for them, uh, sometimes mm. it it doesn't help them. Um, so so yeah, you know, you, in doing what you're trying to do to help yourself, you could be helping someone else. You could be making it worse for someone else. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess is uh, would be similar to that in a, in a sense. Um, I'd never seen that game before, so. Uh, you know, it's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> so many arguments. Oh yeah, uh, arguments do happen in my game as well, which is always, which is always amusing. Um, yeah, especially when it from me because I usually get pretty upset because I never win. Um, <laughs> I've I've won my game officially once, unofficially twice, in a year and a half. <laughs> 
Um, the first time I ever won uh, in, a, in like a group test was where I, I, I it was it was a bit dirty how I did it um, because originally there was like some point stealing cards in their yeah, abilities uh, and I'd saved yeah. all mine to the end uh, because I was no one else had played it before so I knew what I was doing. So the end of the game came. I pulled out uh, these these sets of cards which basically I stole all the points from the first player and I went from last to first. Um, <laughs> no one. Did people kind of look at you, kind of like, uh, yeah, that's people. Really... People were people were pretty annoyed. Uh, they didn't. Yeah, they never played imagine, again. Right? <laughs> so um, <laughs> like... I removed the entire mechanic from the game. Um, so uh, and I actually, I keep the guy who I actually did that to, who was at the expo uh, of the last day, actually, and he came over mm. and he had a look, and he's yeah, you know, he loved the look of the game now. Uh, so I, I guess he, he didn't hold any grudges. <laughs> well, that's pretty. Good. Yeah, that's good. But uh, he he was rechuffed for the you know the condition it was in you know seeing how far it'd come he he thought it was ready to sell kind of thing you know because this prototype oh, looked like uh, looked like the finished thing you know like the real deal which <laughs> it should do after how much I spent on it um so <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah it's, it's, it's been fun uh but yeah so yeah so you you're interfering with each other a lot uh, and it does cause a lot of arguments. Um, well, so how how does a turn go? I mean, for a turn progression. Yeah. Okay. So everyone's um, got a standard four actions they can do. Uh, and those right. actions are broken down to two things: they can move and they can twist a ring uh, a ring on the board. Um, mm-hmm. To have any abilities, they're free to use. Um, but um, you know, the, the, the abilities are you have to purchase them, so you only have a maximum of three. So it's race. You want to use. Uh, all three three abilities on the same turn at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, you have two, you have four actions, uh, and so twisting the board allows you to you know, create new, new paths, and then you can move along them. But um, it's because it's limited to four actions, you know, you have to uh, you find yourself hopping onto a ring just to kind of almost lock your place in, even though it's not the way you want to be on that ring. You can you lock yourself into it because you know that if you someone starts spinning the ring again, you're going to get moved away, and it's going to undo all your movements. So yeah, you find yourself yeah. kind of uh, bouncing around the maze, just trying your best, you know, some sort of you know indirect route to get to these places. So you get to your event, and you can attempt it. And this game was originally designed with a timer, because I'm a fan of timers, uh, but it turns out people, not everyone is. Um, so <laughs> it's an optional timer these days. Um, because I was at the expo last year, you know, everyone loved the game, but uh, a lot of the comments were, you know, I don't like timers. You know, not 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 majority, but there was enough people for me to go, okay, I sh- I'll consider getting rid of it. So yeah. in terms of timer going, you know, it's designed to be very fluid. So you, you're basically rolling a d6, which is yourself, uh, a white d6, and a black d4, uh-huh. and you roll them together. Well. And it sounds very simple. You're just trying to beat that uh, that d4. So if you roll a five, the d4 rolls a four. You've beaten it. But there is on the event a modifier which will add a certain number to that black dice roll. So that four might become a six. So that point of five beating the six. Sorry, the six beats mm-hmm. the five. You can't roll a seven. So technically, at this moment, you're losing. Now there are different ways you can kind of uh, complete these missions because you have these uh, crystals, these purple crystals uh, known as spirit, uh, and they are basically like your power. And you can use them to modify dice rolls. So, say I had about five satin on my little player tile. I could use two of them as plus ones to add to my dice roll, so that makes it seven. Yeah. Uh, at that point, I might get four crystals back for completing that mission. So, um, you know, it's a bit of a game. I get two extra at the end of the round, so, you know, that's spent two, got four. It's kind of a good, win, yeah. you know, a good win. 
Uh, but at the same yeah. time, you could roll really badly. So you could roll a one and the card, you, know, you might roll a three on the black dice. And so you're losing by quite a lot. So you can then use a crystal to re-roll the, the white dice. So, oh. you, you know, it's there is luck involved in the rolling, but you can you can kind of almost modify those dice rolls uh, using those resources you've got. So there's a bit of a resource collection. It's a bit of luck. But there's a strategy in how you use those resources. Now, I know you know people. Some people might think, "Oh, uh, it's dice rolling. I don't like dice rolling." But the game's been designed deliberately, so you will fail missions, because if you can't complete a mission for any reason, you know, if you failed the event, you uh, have to evacuate the space, and that's area of the maze. That path becomes blocked by a darkness token, uh, and that's permanent All until right. you pay to clear it. That area of the map is the, then lost. So this maze, which you know is pretty easy to get around at the start, gets more condensed yeah. as areas and paths are blocked off, and you've got to pay to release them. Um, so so yeah, so it's doing damage to the city. Uh, you can't do the go through paths, but it's also doing damage to the city's health. So if it hits zero, uh, everybody loses. So if you're playing a free-for-all game, you find yourself uh, having to make loose alliances because uh, yeah. you don't want everyone to fail their missions. So you know you, you, you do get people like the losers start working together, the winner starts getting picked on more. But if you start trying to screw the the, the winner over, it's going to start to you know he's going to start failing missions. Missions do damage. Damage hurts everyone. So you've got to screw people over, but not. It's, it's, a, it's a balance you know, it's a... so it's kind of like a semi-cooperative game but you've got to really watch out if you're it's for the greater good basically exactly yeah. you know your actions are your actions could have a detrimental action over all the players yeah so in that case is it worthwhile some is it worthwhile kind of making the wrong decisions to make somebody lose to um kind of lose life then I take it. I mean, it's traitor. It's almost like putting in a like a little traitor mechanic. So you're kind of working together, but ultimately you can be very, very, kind of nasty to each other. Mm. It's, I like that. It's funny you say that because uh, I originally designed the game with a traitor mechanic in it. You're supposed to be playing. Uh, it was supposed to be a bit more of a political game, uh, game, mm-hmm. uh, and there was uh, a traitor mechanic in it. But I could never really get it working. Uh, quite, you know. You know I couldn't get a really fluid game out of it all, so I ended up kind of ripping the whole game apart and starting from scratch, which is now what it's in its current form. But uh, I did kind of, I do like that kind of, yeah, you know, that, that trade mechanic, you know, aspects in games. I like, you know, you never know what someone's going to do if they're going to help or they're going to, you know, make it make it worse for you because there are moments in Never Dark when everyone kind of just goes at the start of the round. Look, the city's on five health right now anyone fails a mission we, we could all lose so we've all got yeah. to uh, agree to go off and do you know repair some damage so you're all going off repair some damage but you know you never know if there's going to be a moment when one guy might go yeah screw you all I'm going to do my mission now and he's going to complete his mission and if he's completed all his missions before everyone else has he, that will initiate the end to the round so everyone gets one last turn so in mm. him or you know, and if they were to bottle it and to make a run for it to get themselves more points over everyone else, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna affect everyone. Uh, they're gonna miss out on completing their missions, uh, and they're gonna hate that person. But it's also gonna do damage. Mm-hmm. So they've also almost undone, uh, you know, the things they've done. Uh, you know, all, all the work that was done that round. But the logic being, if there's a timer going on, there is only a finite finite amount of time you can repair and do your events. So. You've got to balance out how much you repair, how much of the missions you try to do. So it does get a little bit frantic. It does get very petty. 
Uh, and there are moments when, yeah, you know, you've got to put your differences aside, but it only takes one person to screw it up for the rest. So the winner, do they win on points? Do they win on souls? I mean, how? How? What's the kind of the win conditions for the game? Is it? Do you have a set number of rounds before everybody kind of finishes off? Yeah, so there are six rounds to the game, um, and I kind of turned it. I was originally eight. I turned it down to six because. Uh, you know the game can get quite long if you've got a timer in the game a five minute timer you know six rounds it's half an hour plus any management time mm. discussions yeah. that's fine i can control that but it was when mm. people were saying they don't want to play the timer so when you take the timer out the game can rapidly increase from that hour hour and a half to two maybe even more so yeah. uh yes yeah, so it lasts six rounds but it, it is it is based on points now originally in the game it was based around kind of influence um you know, trying to uh, almost like these little victory discs. Um, you're trying to get. Um, I've kind of replaced those with just uh, each mission. It will have a amount of victory points for completing it. Uh, and you add them all. All the events. You keep all the events you completed that game, and you add them all together, uh, and that gives you your score plus um, one point for every three crystals, every every three spirit crystals you have at the end of the game. Uh, yeah. Plus there are sets. So um, for every three of a certain event type you have. You'll get an extra extra victory point so you are picking missions based on uh the, the you know, difficulty of how, how many points to give you but also you, you know you're also looking at completing sets almost to uh score yourself additional points at the end um so yeah there's this, there's three ways to score points actually there's four and the last way is if you repair the city you, you take these darkness yeah. tokens off you get an extra victory point so there's four ways to score points within it and the winner is the person who has the most uh that's that's in a free-for-all game now there was another mode i had put in because people were like i want a vic- i want a cooperative mode so i was like fine i'll make a cooperative yeah. mode so there is a, a mode where you work together and all the points you collect help you build tiers to a, a temple in the center so it's a bit like um uh forbidden desert in that sense you're building the airship you're building a temple yeah yeah yeah. So you, you you can work together in a, in a cooperative mode to, to do that, but uh, the game was designed to be backstabby. So uh, I would rather people played free for all, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> I wanted the game to be very customizable to be uh, to to meet everyone's needs. So you can take the timer out of the game, you can put the timer in, you can play cooperative, you can play free for all. You know, I, I want people to have something that they want to play. You know, something that they can you know tailored to what they they prefer because as I said there's quite a few people who said look I, I would play this but I, I would only play cooperative so I was like hey there's a cooperative mode now so um, yeah yeah I just wanted to just open up to as many people as possible uh, like I designed Absolutely. the entire game um, so that it was uh, almost universal in a sense that you could you don't doesn't matter what language you speak you can play the game I've removed all uh, text from it so every card's no, his number based all the all the location everything is numbers uh, obviously the rule book is in English um, so yeah. as long as I can create different languages anyone in the world can you know, I don't have to change anything in, within the, the core of the game I can just, anyone can pick it up anyone can play it anyone can customize the, the rules to however they want to, to have as long as they don't mind playing a spinning twisting labyrinth of hell full of monsters and backstabbing and treachery and you know family fun stuff <laughs> what um looking at it because I am looking at the um the Kickstarter because <gasps> you sent me the preview. I was updating that. Not... Uh, oh yeah, I sent you. I was updating it earlier today. Yeah, I just haven't not... uploaded yes. it. Oh, you've updated it. A little bit. What? what 
Okay. Now again, don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> I seem to be saying this a lot, don't oh, I? Oh no. <laughs> what possessed you to say I'm going to make a game that is not only kind of three-dimensional but is properly solid three-dimensional? I mean, how, how high does this stand? It looks like it stands at least about maybe, you know, three inches, three, four inches when you've got the buildings on the top. Uh, when the building's on top, yeah, it does get pretty tall. Probably bigger than three inches. Because um, that temple stands about uh, five centimetres tall, plus yeah. uh, probably another four centimetres on top of that. Current yeah. exact measurements. Yeah, it's about, you know, at its peak, ten centimetres. Um, yeah. What possessed me? I, I'm now allowed to say it because I've less, left that previous job, so I'm allowed to say it now. Um, I, was in a, I was working in schools at the time, so I, in my evenings, I had access to all this machinery and all this laser cutters and stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, so I, I had the ability to, to do that. The game was originally supposed to be a solid board with a ring on top, a disc on top, a disc on top. Uh, but I found when I was spinning the board, the rings would cat, yeah, the discs would catch each other, and all the discs would spin. So I made it flat, and I had these rings that would sit in these grooves. And again, it, it kept popping out the tracks and falling apart. So I was like, I've got a vacuum former. Uh, I know vacuum forms are cheap, so it's a, it's it's a genuinely cost-efficient way of doing this. I could make up a free platform for it. So I had the wood lying around. I threw together a quick rough platform, and I, and I cut the, the board out on a laser cutter, and I just like actually this works this doesn't pop off this is actually a very kind of easy way to make something and i can make it as tall as i want but the taller it gets the more of the board on the other side it blocks so i had to you know have a balance between height uh and having these nice uh steps that you know the board can't pop over with uh yeah. you know blocking off features so yeah i had the tool the machinery i had the tools and i had the time uh, so I went for it, you know. I figured there's nothing stopping me. Uh, no, obviously, the cost exactly. was a potentially a problem, which yeah. is why, you know, I say it's vacuum formed, it's made of uh, really thin hips, which, but it's still really sturdy. You know, I was uh, at the expo, I was pushing down on it, showing people how, how much pressure it can take. You know, you, you could easily put your hand on it and push down without really doing any damage. Um, so it's a very strong structure it's built on. I had, I had the means. I had the the imagination. I was like, why not? <laughs> I mean, it looks spectacular. I mean, it's in case of in terms of uniqueness. Thank you. It kind of stands out in terms of the uniqueness because I have seen. I don't know if I see another game, which has, kind of. Glorious looking miniatures and just a flat board. I am potentially just not going to back it kind of thing but do you know what I mean it's like I like games that look different that's why I mentioned Zolkin because it's got this lovely kind of hmm. wheel cog motion thing and that's kind of what <coughs> excuse me and that's what I thought when I first saw it thank you um, I'll have to cut that out oh my goodness I've got to edit this now oh what? right three oh, two one I... and yeah. clap <laughs> Oh, uh, we're just going to leave that in anyway, because so what? No, that's like a um, race. I can't say that. <laughs> I do actually do quite a lot of editing, I would like to point out. That's right. You know, I mean, we are a semi-professional organisation. That's semi. Semi-professional means that I probably put a lot of money into this as well. 
and never get paid. Um, you know how I feel. No, I know how you feel. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I think one of the things is when you look at the when you look at the game, it stands out. It's unusual. Um, it's one of the games that people are going to remember mm. as well. Um, I think it's very, very difficult to. I think very, very difficult. It's difficult to make your mark on Kickstarter nowadays. Yeah. Um, and I think you can put card games out there, and you've got to rely on the art. And then if you put miniature games out there, you've really got to. The miniatures are fine, but I think people are looking at mechanics. I mean, even if you look at what kind of say like Simon, which I think they should just call themselves cool really or not, because Simon just sounds like somebody try to say Simon incorrectly. Um, <laughs> but you know where I'm coming from. You, mm. You've got to look at kind of like they're having to look at the mechanics when they did Rising Sun. They had to introduce other mechanics in the game apart from youth kind of fighting other people. So I think there's a difference. So people can bring out this um, anything that's just different is good if it's backed up by very very good mechanics. I mean, does this had this not doing this and not just saying right? I'm going to get some. I'm not. I'm going to get three or four kind of cardboard, thicker cardboard discs and put them on top of each other, is this not going to increase the expense that, in order to produce a game, is that not rapidly increase the amount of money that you have to pay to produce a single unit for the game? Um, well, as you as you mentioned, uh, yeah, the cost was a big concern, but uh, I, did, I, you know, I've, I've found a way to really bring that cost down, and that was through using the vacuum-formed platform yeah, yeah. um the board itself those rings they all are from the same board so um you will have uh, yeah they will all slot together now uh when it goes to manufacturing i've heard that they might have to use two boards and have to punch out uh yeah the rings kind of almost separately but you, you know, said that you'll never use two but you know if, if it's possible to get all from one board so um, the cost isn't actually as bad as you'd think i mean i've seen versions uh, of platform games where um You've got this solid base, this solid, you know, disc platform, um, and it's huge. You've got this huge platforms built on, and these games are being, uh, uh, it's, you know, it was selling for 130 euros, and that was that was that was huge, uh, you know, and it was a, it was a gorgeous game. Uh, it, looked, it had some really nice features to it, but you know, it was like kind of justified that price tag and been paying for it. So as you say, you know, you got to make something stand out. I guess it was unique enough to kind of get the sales, but. Uh, what's nice about mine is because it's got this kind of um, this platform that's that's essentially just really thin hips. It means it's like a, a mil thick uh, millimeter. Mm. Um, yeah, my game will be selling for uh, I think uh, I'm, my main bundle will be at forty four pounds, which is what forty six eight fifty euros. So it's all it's le- less than half. Um, yeah, the price, more than half the price of the uh, of the of the other one I saw that was spinning. So it's actually going to be very very cheap to make. I mean, it's a very simple process. It's the tooling mm-hmm. that's going to be the initial kick. But once you've got all the tooling set up, you know, yeah. it's actually a surprisingly cheap game to, to manufacture. You know, it's it's still in the forties, you know, mid forties range. 
so that's kind of what people are, you know are almost spending these days and people are looking at it saying yeah i expect to spend, you know, pay 40 for your 44 pounds on this on that, that kind of game it looks like a 44 pound game which was, was very very yeah that's very very inexpensive yeah well, I said that, i'm not going to use the word cheap it's, it's cheap not cheap worse, but it's not it's not cheap but it's but, not you know. expensive and you know no it's not the miniatures you know it's as long as the quotes hold up um the miniatures as well that's our other first stretch goal of the game um mm-hmm. they again the tooling's expensive you know crazy expensive but once we get that stretch goal there's going to be no real additional cost to the to the box to produce them so um it, yeah. again it will allow because you've got the little miniatures as well as well as the the skier yeah um, so at the moment we'll be using kind of like, um stat card stands so there'll be mm. uh you know graphics of the, the characters on there on these stands but um once we upgrade we you know would we'll, we'll straight upgrade to um the miniatures uh and every, i say every every single kickstarter play you know game will get them no one's gonna be left out i'm not gonna have like oh he gets nicer models everyone's gonna have it but it's yeah. not gonna be that expensive i mean um you know that that's it. that's that's what the quotes were given to me were saying now uh if, if i submit the quotes and they turn around and go oh yeah ha 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 we lied i'm gonna be like oh crikey this is not good but <laughs> you know they, they quoted me so and i gave them the files and so that's what they said so as far yeah, as i'm aware the, yeah. the game is going to be surprisingly affordable to make which is great because i didn't want to go anywhere over 50 because once you hit the, you know, the 50 plus mark people are going to expect you know real value for their money they're going to expect you know the most beautiful miniatures they're going to expect you know, yeah a lot of little little moons on the stick and stuff like that exactly just... game modes and you know yeah, hundreds of hours of replayability. I mean, I don't say mine won't have that. Won't have that replayability of the game modes. Mine's just say mine's very customizable. But mm-hmm. you know, at that point, yeah, you know, fifty pounds, people really start to uh, start to look, look at it and think, do I really need this? Uh, and so yeah. the fact that I can keep it as low as it is, it is for what it is. You know, I hope it really stands out and you know, people just look at it and think, I, I need that in my collection. I mean, I had um, the one reviewer who. Um, who uh, he he played it with uh, with me briefly uh, not long ago, and uh, he was saying, you know, this this game is a compliment to anyone's game collection. It's a, you know, it's almost like a must-have. You know, it's 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 needed. So uh, which is which was which was really humbling because you know I went into this having no idea how to make a game, no idea what I was doing, uh, and just to have so much nice feedback, especially from the people at the expos and stuff, just to say you know, this this is a gorgeous game. This looks lovely, and uh, I want this, or just to say. I'll back this when it comes out. You know, just to straight away say, you know, they haven't played it. And they say I'm backing this. You know, that's was genuinely humbling, and uh, I was quite overwhelmed by that. So I really don't want to produce something that's gonna <laughs> that isn't good for them. So I'm putting every effort I can into making a game that's gonna be playable, and yeah. they're going to they're gonna love. When you put yourself out there, I mean, when you're at the expo, mm. um, and you're putting your heart in your sleeve, do you get? Do you have to kind of have the game face on, so if somebody turns around and says, "I didn't really enjoy that," um, and then they just walk away? Yeah. You, is it quite a tiring? Because it's not a case. It's not like you are. You know, you will. You know, you'll be sending the game out to reviewers, trusted reviewers, and you know, reviewers will be going. Well, you, they know how to, I guess, kind of, uh, be nice about stuff. <laughs> If they don't particularly like it, or they'll be very, very honest. Mm. I guess if you're dealing with the general public, you will get the occasional um, less than nice person that will just turn around and go, nah, that was rubbish. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm not playing this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that um, is definitely always the worry. Uh, I mean, you know, it's something I'm very worried about. You know, uh, I'm quite, a, I guess, you know, an anxious person in a sense. I mean, you know, I, I, I do worry a lot. Uh, and I would particularly uh, worry about people's perception of me and uh, kind of, you know, their enjoyment of these things. And so, yeah, you do have to have a game face on. You do have to be ready to take some hits. Um, but hmm. I've been really lucky. Uh, I seem to have... Uh, you know, created a game which hasn't received any real negatives. Uh, I mean, someone was saying to me the other day, uh, you, everyone has one great game in them, and Ed, you've struck out early, unfortunately. So, um, which was, which, <laughs> was, which was great. <laughs> if you come back and do the follow-up, it's going to be rubbish, exactly. and it's just going to be kind of one of these things where you say, well, what's the game like, Ed? And it's like pretty rubbish <laughs> <laughs> what did you do I kind of peaked yeah do you know what I mean I did my first did my first um, my first great game and then everything else all, all downhill you know, from here <laughs> I don't want to say to you what's it called well what you do is you, you each take a deck of cards and then you play a card and then if it matches what the other person's got then you say match <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you, you know about my next game <laughs> no, so um, you sent me the link for the Kickstarter. Uh, I was like, okay, should I tell him he's like that fruit's been done? Oh, that was someone else who did that. Oh, crikey! Uh, <laughs> maybe there's a twist in there. But maybe there's a twist. Yeah, he hasn't told I, you about. Like suddenly you you're playing what? the game and suddenly space aliens pop out the table. You know, that that actually sounds quite fun. <laughs> uh, I would. I'd like. But the thing about the game is, I think it's because it does look. Un- I think it's because it does look unusual. I think. We have this conversation time and time again. Mm. Well, not you and me, you know. Well, occasionally, but we do. But you have the conversation time and time again about the ability, the amount of risk that you're able to have when you're putting a game out on Kickstarter, because nine times out of ten, nowadays you are already putting a lot of money into your game before it even reaches the Kickstarter kind of stage you know before you're pressing the button on it Mm. so when you see something like when you see something like your game when you see something like Everdark you look at it and go that's something different I'm interested in that because right if I look to the left and if I look to the right I'm seeing card games or I'm seeing mini games or unless I'm jumping into the you know the RPG section you know there doesn't seem to be there seems to be a lot of games which are based around kind of minis and moving. There's a lot of games based around here's the next greatest card game. To see something like what you're doing generally kind of piqued my interest in it just because of the what you're getting in the game. And it sounds kind of interesting to me from that side of things. And I'm also interested to see how the rest of the community will kind of take to it as well. Yeah. yeah no what's it been... What's, what's the... Um, have you kind of spoken to other people in the UK kind of Kickstarter community? What's the kind of the feedback uh, from there? Have you spoken to them? Yeah, my, my problem is uh, I'm not the best at social media. Uh, and I say mm. I'm, I'm very kind of anxious about things. So uh, I, mm. I, I, I should have made a lot more noise than I've made. Um, I mean, generally the people have seen it, you know, people at conventions, everyone just loves the look of it. You know, everyone's, uh, you know, just just want to play they want to you know, know more about it you know i mean as i said you know, the job the general public walk past they all stay everyone stops to look and they all say you know instantly intrigued so i never stopped talking i mean just just going back briefly to the to negatives i've only you know, the only negative i ever got was i don't like dice rolling you know it's, it's a beautiful looking game but because it's got dice rolling and it's not for me uh that's the only ever real negatives i've ever got mm. but regarding the community um 
genuinely the feel the feeling is there that uh, this Kickstarter is going to be really successful. I mean, I I, I mm. really hope it is. Um, you know, I just I, <laughs> as you say, you've put a lot of money into it, and unfortunately, I've put I have I wanted something that was ready. I didn't want to kind of take the money and then go right. I'm going to start working on it again for another year. I wanted something that was pretty much I could just send the money to the manufacturers, so I don't miss my Kickstarter deadline. Yeah, it's going to be a yeah. So. But yeah, the feedback, as I say, is, it has been incredible. And, uh, you know, I got reviewers all wanting copies. Problem is, I've only got five. And, um, you know, I, I said, being an idiot, I put down a, a Kickstarter launch date saying, we're launching then. Uh, and then I realized, oh no, that's too soon. But <laughs> because <laughs> uh, last year I said I put down a hard date and I, I, I couldn't make it. So I, I, you'd thought I would have learned my lesson and would have done it again, but they did it again. So I can't not go ahead of this time. So I'd like to You're get my re- my review nine. copies out to the reviewers, you know, by now. But uh, you know, uh, I haven't. I haven't got enough copies sent out to make more noise. So the Kickstarter will do well, but I, I believe. But I don't think it, you know, has will be anywhere near the potential it could have done if I had stood on the streets banging the drums saying, "Take a copy, take a copy." Hmm. So, yeah. Um, but generally, the, the community has been incredible, and everyone's yeah. been so supportive, and everyone's giving each other great feedback. Uh, but I need to be a bit louder. So you're going to start seeing this over the next week, me starting to dishing out some more information. I'm going to preview the link to everyone so they can all have a quick snippet, have a quick look. Yeah, no. And it looks, I mean, it looks, you know, as I say, I am genuinely interested because if i wasn't interested then you wouldn't be speaking to anybody tonight <laughs> i was talking to myself probably, like usual then <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you probably would just sit there going phew that was a busy expo yeah um <laughs> kind of thing pretty much was um but if people you know when they've listened tonight and they've went actually this does sound really interesting where do you exist on the internet webs um my my loudest voice seems to be on Twitter most of these days, um, but I do have a website um, okay. which I really need to update again, uh, which is www.thewalrusgames.com. Um, <laughs> kind of obvious, really, when you think about it. Um, and yeah, and then there is is everything about Everdark, um, and I, I will be updating it again very soon. Obviously, in time for the Kickstarter, so all the information is on there. But uh, I'm also very uh, uh, vocal on twitter it's my main way of kind of just giving small snippets small updates to people uh i can't remember what my twitter is i think it's uh at the underscore walrus games uh or it could be at the walrus slash games let's we shall put it in you the show put it in. so we have notes <laughs> to show but i'm gonna dig this out just now because i have that ability it is the walrus underscore games okay that's the one uh so boom don't, <laughs> boom that's it you should really remember that thing uh yeah that's the two best places to find me i do have a facebook page but i don't like facebook so uh you know i you know it's it gets the occasional bit of love but twitter is where it's all at um mm-hmm. i never thought i'd be saying such things because when i was uh you know when i was growing up i was like i hate twitter twitter is useless it's pointless but now i've been on it i'm <laughs> like uh actually i see the use you know <laughs> it's got it's got its advantages so i'll tell you what the, the, the i'll tell you what the thing i like like about twitter is earlier t- earlier today <laughs> we we talked we tweeted we well i tweeted because i run the twitter colin just tells me 
stop using Twitter, you look like an idiot. Um, that's what he says. Um, but I said, Star Realms, we, we, we really had fun with Star Realms, and we would love it if you came on the show. And then, lo and behold, Star Realms said no. blocked us. <laughs> oh, no. No, that's not true. Uh... That's not true. Um, just to say there's um, there's potential start of dialogue, so there you go. So if you don't ask on Twitter, you don't get yeah, exactly. that's, what that's what I always say. And we wouldn't have, um, well, we wouldn't have people like yourself coming on no. because we kind of started speaking through the UK um, the UK Kickstarter group. Yeah, you were looking for people and I was, uh, yeah, I bl- so blundered into the topic. I was like, yeah, interview me. Also <laughs> <laughs> along those lines. I, went, <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, let's do that. And then we got it sorted out, so it's all good. Yeah. So we will make sure that we put in the show notes all the links that you have so we have notes to show. Sure. For if people want to keep an eye on what we're doing, you lovely, lovely people, hugs for all of you, <laughs> but no kisses. Um, you can find... <laughs> you can, okay, one kiss. You can find us on uh, Twitter at We Are Not Wizards. You can find us on Facebook at We Are Not Wizards. You can find us on Instagram at We Are Not Wizards. <laughs> if you are therefore inclined to go to YouTube, because some reason the lovely people at Podbean keep putting our podcasts on YouTube automatically for us, and we love them for it. You know, good old Podbean. Um... You can find us on YouTube if you search for We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast. If you would drop us a subscription, that would be fine, because once we get to 100 subscribers, it means that we can get our own special URL, which is all very, very good. Um, or search for us on We're Not Wizards on your usual kind of podcast catcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. If you've liked what you heard tonight, then somehow... If you go to Apple Podcasts and you say that you like us very much, then Apple Podcasts say that's very good and they do lovely things for us. For some reason, I don't know, it's magic. (laughs) I'm still trying to work it out. If you want to give us a review, as we always say, don't give us a 10 because that will make us feel big-headed. But don't give us a 1 because that makes us cry. (laughs) Give us a 5, right in the middle. Average. Because we are this... Well, we're a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the rather wonderful, fantastic, amazing Mr. Edward Harrison. Um, listen, this this has been a lot of fun. It's really always interesting to find out about kind of new games. Um, Everdark looks a lot different from a lot of things I'm seeing kicking about the castle and Kickstarter at the moment. Uh, Thank you. When the Kickstarter goes live, we shall make sure that we add the link onto the show notes so you can click away, take a look and decide if you're going to back or not. Um, but seriously, thanks again for coming on. No, thanks um, for having me. It's been, it's been a delight and a pleasure. Um, there are only two more things to do. <clears throat> Don't kill me. Oh, it's not that kind of show. First... No, it's not that kind of show. That's a different show that we do. Um, the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Ed? We are not wizards. We're yes, definitely we are. not wizards. No, we're not. Don't say no, that. No, we're not. Can... We're not wizards. I can delete the file. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really not wizards. That's good. Because, you know, the other Ed said he wasn't a wizard. I'm just saying. Mm. (laughs) 
And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from... <laughs> he is the Ed man. He is the walrus. A goo-goo-goo-jube. Mr. Ed Harrison. Say goodbye, Ed. Goodbye, Ed. I mean, wait, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, a goodbye from me. Remember, um, stay safe, roll sixes. Hope that there are bigger holes than your D4. <laughs> um, watch out for the paths. Watch out for the ones that get closed. And yes, sometimes the path will revolve and the path will turn. But as long as you stay true to the path, you shall win throughout. Until the next time, my good people. Goodbye.